Come on, Jimbo. Let me give you okay. a hug. Okay. All right. Hey, bro. Okay. Hey, bro. All right. Here we go. Wow. This is going to... Uh, Eric's gone, so this is going to be... This may be rough. This is going to be like a wild ride, like on a, a Bronco one. Okay. We, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here when... When the cat's away, the mice will play. Is that is that what they a say, black Richard? Kettle that is, is always hot. It is an adage, but uh, uh, when the not ne- cats are mice, yeah. I want to remind us. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Afterward. Uh, glad you're listening. This is a podcast that we do on Mondays for the purpose of helping us see more of God and His Word. So the the real desire here is that we have some time to look at God's Word from what we looked at on Sunday. Uh, apply it to our lives, uh, talk about some of the things that, that may not have popped up in our time together on Sunday, and and really help us as a church grow in our understanding of who God is. So that's the whole point of this. Um, we are missing our beloved Eric Ryan Reeves. The third. Did you know that was his middle name? No. Uh, no yeah, thank you. Eric Ryan. Is that, the, is that the query question? No, today? it's not. It's okay. not the question. But Eric is taking a couple, a couple, that was a big word for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what query means. I think but, it's like a stones <laughs> where water runs through like a sill. Oh, a quarry. Quarry. <laughs> a query is Sometimes that, I don't like when you word search or something. Okay. So anyway, Eric is away. Uh, he has over the last, I said this yesterday, but over the last couple months, several months, um, held everything together. Uh, he, along with Carrie and Jen and Liz and Cassie and Brian, uh, we have such a great staff. But and Eric, God. And God, God mostly. But Eric has done so much and, and shouldered so much. So he is away for a couple of weeks. We can be praying for him and given, given uh giving him the space he needs there. So there's that. Here's our question. We're going to jump into it because this may go long. All I have here is Richard Nelson, Richard Michael Nelson. Yes, sir. Um, and Joshua Carl with a K. With McGeehan. The pleasure's all mine. Okay. Um, so this is just the three of us, uh, and this may be wild. But I'm going to start with a question to get us going. And the question is this. What is a hobby that you have that others in our church may not know about? Richard, I'd like to hear from you first since you've lived the most years. Thank you. The wisest is what you meant. Yes, mature. Yeah. I uh, I had a uh, hobby of going hiking a lot. And so even from a kid, I even majored in forestry at CSU because I really like being outside and seeing God's glory. And so I uh, am a member of the Pooter Wilderness Volunteer that Josh is very jealous of. Pooter Wilderness Volunteer. It's an actual group of volunteers. In fact, Richard's here wearing his badges. That serve the U.S. Forest Service in the Canyon Lakes Ranger District. So I've been on a number of hikes there up in in that district, and I really enjoy it. It's actually kind of of like a worship service. You go out there and you see the grandeur, of the mountains and the animals and the flowers and all that, just think, wow, our God is great. Who could create a flower like this or a tree like that? It is really amazing. That's great. So are you saying, Richard, that it's a worship service kind of as a replacement to what we do on Sundays? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that oh, at all. Oh, okay. They're the, yeah, <laughs> but 
Sorry to put you on the spot there. But I try to I try to see God in everything. Yes, if you yes. don't see God in everything, you're probably missing something. Because he created all things. He indeed he did. For his own glory. For his glory. Yeah. Maybe less spiritual than your question, Vince. Uh, Richard, do you get a badge or a gun whenever you join the Wildlife Club? Do you have a sash that you wear that has, has all your badges on it? Wow. Wow. <laughs> How do I how do I walk off this? Okay, this? let's let's move on. How to, about you, Vince? Uh, what, right. Do you have a hobby, hobby or yeah. an interest that might come as a surprise to people, or oh. that you're particularly interested in? Um, ballroom dancing. Seriously, the waltz or fox no, no, neither. <laughs> okay. uh, no, I don't. Ballroom dancing is not it. I was just joking. Okay. I I enjoy um, woodworking. So right now I am into turning wood on a lathe and have enjoyed making bowls. Um, I was corrected the other day across the lobby whenever I said to someone, hey, I've got the bowl for you. And they said, you should probably watch how you say that in Colorado because it may mean something different in Colorado. Marijuana. I think it's related to drugs. Now we need to not talk about that because we want this podcast to be about for God. children and for and and safe for children for the whole family. But anyway, um, so turning wood, uh, enjoy doing that, and yeah, have see have enjoyed seeing all of the different ways in which God puts wood together and seeing the rings and the knots and all the different colors that come out of it. Is there a particular piece of wood or type of wood? Because I think. I don't know much about wood, but I'm guessing there's a variety there that you are. particularly like. <laughs> Richard is having a hard time keeping it together with Josh's qu- query <laughs> about the wood. <laughs> there's Josh's weeds. All right. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Um, I, there are some unique woods. There's a wood called marble wood that's got a lot of unique features to it. There's um, one of the, the there's a couple of different woods that I really like that the features come out in the ways that beetles or different bugs crawl through, parasites crawl through it and leave marks in the wood, and those really pop out. I think it's fascinating yeah. to see it. Anyway, Josh, what are your what's you, you're a man of hobbies. You have a different I, hobby every time I turn around. I, I do like hobbies. Um, I, I think one thing, in all seriousness, that you guys both mentioned, Richard, you talked about your hobby and seeing the grandeur of God. And then Vince, you, you spoke about a hobby that's so intricate and talks about the very intricacies of wood. And I just think it's an amazing thing. Again, I think we see this dichotomous picture of God, that he is the God over all and the beauty and the majesty of all, but he also cares so deeply about very, I mean, a piece of wood is hidden, and that, but as you open it up and as you make a bowl, you see all these things. So anyway, I just found that interesting that your hobbies show that. Um, yes, I, I like a lot of hobbies. Probably one that would be a little different and of interest, and again, I think I see God's, God's pleasure, just his handiwork in is, is in classical music. Um, so I do listen to classical music probably every day. I love it. Um, I like going to the symphony. Uh, I probably like the Germans or the Central Europeans best. So uh, major composers, I love Beethoven, but I also love Brahms and Dvorak, uh, people from Czech Republic. I just think that music is amazing. And even the intricacies of music just fascinates me how 
a sonata is different than a symphony and it's different than a four piece, uh, like a quartet or a quintet. Um, listening to opera, Italians are amazing. Like the French have amazing opera. So yeah, I've, I've found that to be of great interest, uh, classically. So I've you, heard that you have quite the voice. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Hit us hit us with a little bar. <laughs> I think we should probably go into Ezra 5, though. No, not, <laughs> at, well, not until we hear a little. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm shy. <laughs> I'm quite shy. How do you, so how do you, how do you, what's that, I don't, it, is it the hobby of listening to music? Yeah, and I think, I mean, and just like any hobby, I think you can find books and you can, you can just kind of like you with wood or you going and exploring different places in the uh, in the wilderness, like I think exploring, oh, I want to know something about 18th century or 17th century German music that yeah. you can you can so you're studying yeah, and so researching. You, you can study. Yeah. And yeah, again, it takes time or it takes takes concentration. And I think that's true of all hobbies. You have to make time to go to the wilderness or to go hike a trail. You got to take time to go to your shed and lay the bowl. Same thing is true of classical music. Like, but there's resources out there, and and eventually you can get to the point where you know a piece of aspen from a piece of pine. Or there's probably a time whenever you know, oh, I'm probably in the pooter because these are some of the trees I see or some of the landscapes I see. I think when you listen to a piece of music, you can eventually identify, oh, this is definitely. This is definitely a French composer because I can tell sure. some of the, the features. You know, one thing I I feel like they need more of in in classical music. There's yeah. there's a piece I think it's a Christmas piece, and at the end there's like a horse, like <laughs> oh, yeah. and then like a the whip. What you know? I think you're thinking of Jingle Bells. Yeah. What song? What song <laughs> is that? How do they How do they do that sound? Is that yeah. a violin? I think you actually bring a, a, a stallion horse. into Ooh. the concert hall. <laughs> and that's kind of a side note, and that's a different podcast, but I've been petitioning for a bell choir for some some years. Yeah, maybe in our Easter cantata this year we could do that. Yeah. Hey, we should move on. We should actually get into this. Eric will never leave again. Yeah. Um, here's hey, what we're if doing. if you ever want to talk about these hobbies with us, we love as pastors and elders to talk about the church and the things of God. But we also find interest in our hobbies, so yeah. we're approachable. We are. If you have to say we're approachable, it probably means that we're not. We are daunting as well. <laughs> uh, here's what we're doing. We're we, yesterday we looked at Ezra chapter five, and and along with that we have just some questions to get our brains going and um, hopefully our affections stirred for Jesus. And so um, I'll start with a um, a question. That I brought up yesterday, and I got some feedback yesterday after the gathering that it could be interesting to talk more about this. And that is um, this: I, the differences between punishment and discipline. Punishment and discipline. And, and so I, I walked through that. Guys, what would you say are some of the... Let, let's start with this. What are some of the characteristics, key characteristics of punishment? So let's start there. Key characteristics of punishment. Uh, you mentioned the word, it's uh, retribution, or it is punitive. Uh, someone did something wrong, therefore there is a commensurate type of punishment that probably hurts in some form or fashion. Okay. And I would also say there's probably no really uh, clarification as to why it happened. You know, it's almost sometimes that's 
it's the difference between discipline. I know we're not supposed to go there, but in uh, yeah. punishment, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll stop. Yeah. So there's retribution. That's a, that there's a, you said the word commensurate. So there's, there's a, um, there's a harm in, inflicted uh, upon the person that's related <clears throat> to the wrong that they, they, um, they did. What would you add, Josh? Yeah, I would just say probably punishment would be void of any relationship. So it's following a manual, like a work manual or a family rule uh, that maybe it isn't even instituted by a specific person, but it's just the family rule or the 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 laws of the land or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or what is the book that a man the manual that we have one at the church, I think. Um Shoot, I cannot remember the employee handbook. The handbook. There's yeah. a handbook at oh, your yeah. workplace. And so I think, I think you've you, broken a lot of the Yeah, you break that rule, but you don't know who gave it. It's just the rule, and these are the punishments that are required. So you have to there is some requirement for what you've done, but it's not instituted by a relational Okay. So not force. necessarily relationship, yeah. relationally based. It's retributive. It's uh, a harm inflicted because of a wrong done, not necessarily relational. Other key characteristics of punishment before we move on to key characteristics of discipline. What would, what would you say? What would you add? To I, that I would I would say the same, um, similar things that it's because of a law or something that's been stated that there is, uh, yeah. If there's a wrong done, there is uh, some uh, a. I don't want to use punishment in the word because we're defining punishment. There's a. There's an action of equal value given toward the person um, because of that. My mind, here's where my mind goes, and I hesitate to use this example um, because we live in Colorado. I often think of the differences between discipline and punishment as discipline is what you give uh, or you administer toward a child you love. Punishment is what you do to a dog when it comes inside with muddy feet. Does that, I don't know if you can use dog, but like, the, the, sure, there's a relationship, but it's a like a whack on the nose, uh, a, a firm voice and a like shoving them back outside. Is that, is it teaching them a lesson? I don't know. It was a wrong done. There was something administered. Should I stop with the pet analogy before I get PETA and others on us? <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, could be uh, we can discipline our children in anger, and it's like a, a, a reaction and a quick ex- escalation sure. towards that. And so punishment is like that. There could be uncontrolled anger. Sure. So let's go toward the key character. Oh, and I just think there's a danger in in following rules are good. I mean, we can all be punished. Everyone can be punished if I break the speed limit. If I've broken the law, right. then there's a punishment. But I think there can be a fear of keeping the laws because if we don't keep it, it just feels like a punishment because we don't recognize the heart or the relational component behind it. So I think I think the dog analogy can be fine because there is a different relational component sure. with your dog and your son. Yeah. Here, here's something that just came to mind that punishment requires payment. Yes. Right? Yeah. So in punishment, there's a payment due for the wrong done. Let's talk about key characteristics of discipline. What would you say are key characteristics of discipline? I think a simple, from the point I've made about punishment, I think a simple thing is we know the one who's doing the discipline. And so there is actually 
a reason or there's a greater good than the payment, to use your word, of what the retribution will be. And it's mainly a relational connection again. It's yeah. a restoring of relationship. The punishment or the, 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 the thing that is actually the payment is actually for a purpose. So okay. I don't want to use punishment there. It's so, relational. So there's relate there's relationship involved in discipline. It's right. greater than what the cost of what the payment may be. Okay, let's talk about in, what's the end goal of discipline. I think restoration, restoration of, relationship. of relationship. Yes. Any other or, in, anything else? There's a wrong done. There's discipline administered. What's the hopeful outcome? That that person being disciplined will change okay. their behavior and action. There motivated in many ways by the truth and also the loving yeah. stroke that it came from. Yeah, so there's so repentance, obedience yeah. is a mark of discipline. Yeah. That the the re- required outcome of discipline or the hopeful outcome of, of discipline is repentance, obedience, a, a turning from and a turning back to that also restores relationship. I think I would add too in in discipline there's closure after it's over in punishment, often there's no closure. Hmm. There's a huge reaction, a huge punishment, and the person receiving the punishment has may not even know what why this. Uh, they just know I just got hurt really bad. Hmm. They might not know the reason, nor is there any closure on it. And I think discipline, you know, uh, the person who is being disciplined knows why, and then there's closure at the end. So related to, let's, let's get into the text, related to the text in Ezra 5, what we see in the very beginning, I should have done this in the beginning, is, is um, give a summary of the text. Ezra chapter 5, we see the people um, coming back to begin or begin again, the rebuilding of the temple. We see that Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets are there supporting them. Um, and then we are introduced to Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river. Um, he comes in and says, hold up, what's going on here? Who gave you permission to do this? And so they, there's this back and forth and a letter is sent off to Darius asking what's going on, who gave them permission. And in that letter, the, the Jewish people are, are given an opportunity to talk about what had happened. No, Cyrus gave us permission. In fact, not only permission, but he also um, funded some of our work. And so that's where it is. Now, you jump from that. Here's here's where we get into the discipline piece. The, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah were prophets during that time. If you jump into the book of Haggai, Haggai is giving prophecy, um, truth to the people who have stopped building the temple. And God says to the people through the prophet Haggai, because of this, or or if you do not uh, build the temple, or if you stop building the temple, there will be um, discipline. And the discipline comes in the form of drought. So a drought is put upon the people, and it affects everything about them. Their land, their animals, their people, all of it. Um, and, And so the response of the people is to repent is to obey, turn from that sin and turn back to God. So that's the discipline. The discipline of God was the drought on the people. Um, so there is the summary of, of the passage. I should have given that earlier. As we talked about the key characteristics of punishment and discipline, what we see from God is not punishment, 
but discipline for the sole purpose of repentance of the people and a restored relationship. Yesterday I said, um, I made this statement, not all suffering or not all hardship uh, is discipline. How does that hit you all? Where, what, do you, what do you think about when, that, when you hear that? Not all suffering is discipline. We live in a fallen world, and we live in fallen bodies, and so there's a lot going on in our world. Just watch the news at any given day, and there's horrible things going on in our world that are not necessarily in, in discipline, but there's punishments going on, and there's just plain wickedness going on. But the only explanation is we live in a fallen world, and Satan, according to the Scripture, uh, has kind of free reign to move around in the world. And it is, it is that it is. Yeah, like we said, like we said last week, he's seeking to find those who he can devour. He's yes. prowling around looking yeah. for that. So we live in a fallen world. Um, we experience suffering. The the kind of silly example I gave yesterday was you you stub a toe, and the pain that's received from that. Um, comes from or is is due to the fact that we live in a fallen world. We, we experience pain. Um, is that stubbed toe necessarily discipline? Probably not, right? It, it probably is more in line with the fact that we live in a fallen world. Josh, how's it hit you? Not all suffering is discipline. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a tricky thing because I think naturally as people we have questions as, oh, why is this happening? Or for what reason... And I think, I think as we go down that, I think even as believers, as we're trying to mature and grow in our faith, and as I'm sure we see in Ezra chapter 5, why is this, why is this, it's been 16 years and we've stopped building. I think we have to, I think Richard's right. We live in a fallen world, and I think that's a conclusion. But I think as we try and figure that out, I think we have to really rely heavily on God's word and say, okay, do I have sin here? Is that why trouble is coming upon me? And even just seeking the Holy Spirit. I definitely can think of times in my life, and I could probably even think of specific examples where I'm like, oh, this thing has happened. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's happening because you're making ill decisions, Hmm. Josh. So I think we also have to, but I think there's times whenever we're like, just like Job, I'm not doing anything wrong or or anything wrong outside of what I usually do wrong. Mm-hmm. And I have this catastrophe happening to me. We can say we live in a sinful world, but I think we have to examine our hearts. And I think the Holy Spirit is pretty generous. At least he is with me. In fact, one of the main ways I experience the Holy Spirit is a conviction of sin. I shouldn't have said that to Liz, my wife. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have treated that person in our church that way or spoken that way about them. And I think then there's some action of confessing, repenting, and obeying God and asking forgiveness. Sure. So I think ultimately the world can be a result, but I think I think we can't help but ask the question: Why is this happening? Sure. So I, I think so, Richard and and Josh both. I, I think those are helpful things. Like we, we live in a fallen world, and we a word that we haven't used yet. We we suffer through the consequences of living in a fallen world. Are all of those consequences necessarily disciplined? I think we would have to say no, not necessarily, right? We we suffer the consequences of living in a fallen world. And sometimes we suffer through the consequences of our own sin 
And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that those consequences are the discipline of God. They could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are, right? If I make a foolish decision that is sinful and it causes harm toward me or someone I care about, that, that's a consequence that now has to be worked out. It, is that necessarily the dis- discipline of God? Maybe not, but all of those places of suffering are, can be used by God, right? To show, us, to show us where to grow up, to show us where to turn, to show us um, ways in which we have offended God and, and need to turn back to him. So I think that's a helpful thing to think through is that not all suffering is discipline. However, I think all, can we say it this way? Not all suffering is discipline, but all suffering is able to teach us more about who God is and who we are in light of that. Yeah. And to long for his appearing. Yes. Yeah. His return. Yeah, that's right. Rescue us. Uh, yeah, we need that. Why, um, let, let's turn a, turn the tables a little bit. Why is it often, or could we say always, difficult to experience or accept discipline from God? I think the initial thought would be because it's painful. Yeah. Uh, you, you referenced, you finished with Hebrews 12, and verse 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful mm-hmm. rather than pleasant, but later it yields this peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The second part of that verse is beautiful, but the first part is extremely painful. Yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think in recognizing being disciplined is we're experiencing this fruit of righteousness and we're being trained by God and we'll come to know him better and it'll actually lead to his worship. Where punishment just is, it's a stop deal. That uh, it's just painful, and we don't really understand it. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but um, yeah, I just think that's where I think even our understanding of God, if we truly understand Him, we'll see that there is a long-term beautiful result of even the trials we experience. And I think oftentimes we're not experiencing God, and as a result, we think, "Why am I being punished?" Mm. And I think it's a wrong perspective. Because I think it all relies on how do we view God. If we view God, our circumstances look very different. If we know God, we know that we may be going through some discipline. If we feel like we don't experience God or know him, then it can feel like punishment. Can I push it that way, Josh? So would you say if if in our hardship, whatever it is, we view that as our perspective is, or the, the question we ask is, why am I why am I being punished by God? Would you say in that moment, our perspective of God is wrong? Yes, I would say it's wrong. And I, but I don't think it's, un, but I don't think it's not understandable. I think it's wrong because the, the problem that we're experiencing, which we're experiencing discipline is so overwhelming that in our, in our humanness, we forget God. And I think all three of us in this room, have experienced things, even in this probably last year, uh, that are so painful that it's right in front of our face. And so I think to have friends and God's Word, the Holy Spirit, 
to have a step back and be like, hey, where is God in the midst of this? And let's see God's glory. We can see it as discipline. But I think we all, I struggle with the idea of I'm being punished until someone says, hey, wait a minute. Look at these other aspects of God's character. Then I can see it as discipline. As a God who loves me and knows me and I have relationship with. Because we, because we don't receive punishment from God. If, exactly we're, right. if we're children of God, we don't receive punishment. It can just it, feel like that. I it think, can feel like it. Because the, the, the experience is so painful, just as Hebrews 12, uh, 11 shows us. Yeah, I, th- I think we experience it as punishment. In, in that painfulness, we experience it as punishment. I wonder if we read into our perspective of God based on how we view our own relationships here on earth or the own, the way in which our, our government right, rightfully or wrongfully administers punishment or whatever. And, and so our view of God is based on our view of how we've experienced things here. But we know from, from, is it Romans eight that there's no condemnation for those? There's no, there's no punishment for those who are in Christ. And so if you are a believer, what you are experiencing is absolutely not punishment from God. Can we, can we land there? Yeah, and I think that's an amazing, beautiful thing. And I think even when we feel like we're being punished, it's funny, we're using this word like Christendom or Christians often say, oh, we should have a quiet time. Well, that's a law, but if I actually quiet my heart before God, I can look at all the beautiful and amazing things he's allowed, that it's not solely incident, it's not solely related to a circumstance that I've experienced that would make God a punisher. Hmm. I can see God bringing discipline in my life in several of these different areas, whether I've sinned or not, but I can also see his beauty Hmm. and all of the things that we even mentioned in our hobbies that Hmm. are worthy of worship. That's a simple example, but even in a hard example, a stroke, the loss of a son, those, those can feel like punishment until we see, and those are major issues. They should not be, and they cannot be dismissed. But we can also see God's kindness and his mm. gentleness and his deep care at the same time because we know him. Yeah, and he's a father. Yeah. He's a father. And he loves us. Yeah. Even in the hardest of things. Yeah. We're just going to take a short break for all of us to cry, and then we'll be right back with you. A short word from our sponsor, who is, I don't know who this week. Um, no, that's good, Josh. Can I, can I, um, can keep moving toward a little bit of a personal, personal experience here? Have you all, can we talk about, have we experienced the discipline of God? I talked to somebody in the lobby yesterday who came up to me right away and, and talked to me about something that they had experienced and, and realized that it was the, the discipline of God to draw them back to right relationship. Have you all experienced what you have felt like is the discipline of God? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, Next question. (laughs) Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that was, that was vulnerable. Can you, um, can you want to elaborate? Oh, I I can. In fact, I, uh, was thinking about it this morning and how I was thinking that question, how have I seen the Lord's discipline? And then at first there was nothing. And then (laughs) 
then the flood came and uh, just some specifics and there's a there's a verse in Proverbs that says all the ways of a man are pure in his own sight but the Lord weighs the motives hmm. and so motives uh, I have some really impure motives like I have an impure motive just doing this podcast because I want to sound intelligent uh, compelling. Next to Josh and I, uh, you sound very intelligent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and well, we made you it. feel really good. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I struggle with impure motives, and it, I feel like it. Jeez, and I appreciate it. And I think in, in this season of my life, I'm thinking about it more because I think God is trying to refine me more, and I He just keeps on it. It's not heavy. I don't feel necessarily condemned. I feel disappointed, and I want to change. Mm-hmm. I think discipline, uh, it's like you're a tra- out for a track, and the coach is saying, Nelson, you know, if you put a little more work in this, you, I think you could make it to uh, the team. Maybe you'd make the team. <laughs> maybe you'd make the <laughs> team. Or, or maybe you'd make, uh, you know, put some work in it. You might win district. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you could do that. And I, I'll just mention others. I worry a lot. I fret about stuff. Mm-hmm. God tells me I'm in control. I'm actually the omnipotent God. Why are you worrying? Hmm. And so I struggle with pride and humility and, and those kind of things. I be, I can be a very selfish person at times, and God disciplines me for that. And on goes. So these things are just kind of, it's sanctification. is isn't part yeah. of sanctification. God disciplining us to make us holy. Can I ask you, and. And we can cut all of this out if it, if this goes off the rails. <laughs> can, um, what what has been the experience of discipline? Like, what was the discipline from your perspective? Pick one of those that you just named. Thank you for naming those. Those, yeah. are, those that is vulnerable. I, yeah. I will say that. Thank you. Yeah. But what in the moment in the moment of one of those those um, moments of pride or humility or what whatever it was where you experienced discipline and you thought, oh, this is God right here reminding me of this and his yeah. loving hand of discipline. Yeah. Uh, I can give you an example from last night. It's, <laughs> okay. it's so, it's a part of my life, you know? And so I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worried and I'm fussing and I'm, uh, my mental hygiene spiritually is going off the rails. Okay. And, uh, it's like, I don't like that. It's keeping me up in the middle of the night. And then I believe God said, Richard, have you ever heard of Psalm 23? Mm. And ah, and I have a little iPad next to my bed, and I pulled up Psalm 23 and just started reading it and meditating on it. It's amazing what it did to my attitude there. Okay. And then shut it off, and I fell asleep. I credit that to God. And sure. just that Psalm 23 is becoming a blessed psalm. You know? So in that way, you did not need a drought, right? You didn't need a physical form of, of something in your life to correct you. You needed, and you received, by God's grace, the Spirit illuminating, um, and making light, putting light on a truth from God's Word that would bring correction to your heart. Yes. Is that, is that how you say it? And I don't like pain. I don't like it. And Josh mentioned pain in that, and I think I want to get out of it. Mm. And I guess I'm old enough to, I, I kind of see some patterns in my life, and I, you can wallow in this, or you can climb out and do what God wants you to do. Mm. But pain and discomfort and 
you know, there's a, there's a sense that I really want to please God. And it disappoints me when I'm doing something like worrying. Obviously, God, you don't know what's going on in the cosmos. And so you really need me to worry about it to change things. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you experienced this one, Josh? I don't want to put you on the spot if you ha- haven't. No, I don't want to put you on the spot. Oh, Richard does. It's a great question. I think, I think, like Richard said, it's so numerous. And I gave some examples. Like, I think God has given me the wife he's given me mm. to say, hey, To God. discipline you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't listen does. to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you used an example from last night. I use an example right now. I, I received a text just before the podcast and saying, why aren't you home? Like, you're supposed to have lunch with me. So I missed mm. an appointment. I, I texted him back. I said, I am, I don't know where my brain is. And I don't even blame the stroke. Some of you know I had a stroke uh, six weeks ago. I don't even blame that. Like, that's just, there's areas of my life where I'm just like, I am not organized. There are areas, and I would say there's a, and again, I haven't, this just happened. But if I even think about it, even in these moments of hopefully I know God, I do know God, and the Holy Spirit's working in me, I've got to get a control on my schedule. I've got to be able to say, I need better boundaries, or I need to be more intentional with people to, to plan things and say, I can't make this, or I can't make this instead of letting people down. So I think there's a disciplinary thing right here. The result is, well, someone made plans. They came all the way to my house to get me. They, I wasn't there. They, they took away from lunch. Mm. There's, there's something wrong about that. And I, and that, and I mean, it grieves me that I've done that. I showed up late to an appointment. I did. I, I wasn't prepared for an appointment. I think all of that. I could just put it off as happenstance. I don't even know if that's a word. But I think I could really say that's God saying, Josh, what does it mean to be intentional? Mm-hmm. You're intentional with me. Be intentional with your wife. Be intentional with your church. So, so yeah, me... I don't know if that's sin or not, and it sure. didn't just happen, but I think it would be unwise of me just to dismiss it and say, hey, this is just happens. It might be the case, but it might also be the Lord's discipline and saying, hey, there's consequences to your mm-hmm. action about being on a podcast, but also planning to have a yeah. lunch appointment. I don't know the answer. It's a, it's a hard question. I think there's hard questions in knowing, is it mm. God's discipline? Right, right. Or, just like you made mention at the beginning... Or is it just we live in a fallen world? Right. But I think I, I definitely let someone down in that I booked two things at the same sure. time at this exact moment. So a couple things. One, yes. public apology right here on the podcast. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> if you downloaded this, uh, I'll buy lunch. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, but so so the dis, I'm just trying to push this out a little further so that we can understand, because I think we need understanding, but also to help people who may be listening to understand the discipline there would be, and, and correct me where I'm wrong, Josh, because I don't want to put words in your mouth, the um, em- embarrassment of missing an appointment, uh, hang with me for a second, the embarrassment of missing an appointment is painful, but hopefully gets you to a place of recognizing this is an issue in my life where I can possibly hurt someone and and I need to be made aware of this. God, thank you for bringing this embarrassing moment to my life to, to hopefully turn me, to teach me in this and be restored to this person in right relationship and also be restored to you. Is that how you would say that? I think that's absolutely true. And I think so. it's an embarrassment for me. It's a hurt to the person who was 
was, I think they wanted to meet with me. It's a hurt to <laughs> Not them. Not anymore. Because, yeah. <laughs> because they took time to do it. But I think ultimately, I think it's a discipline issue as I even think about it now. Because the, the point is, okay, well, at least for a season until I fall into my sinful nature again, I'm going to make some steps to, yeah. to be more intentional to value people's time and energy at least. Yeah, that's good. Hey, for sake of time, let's go. Let's go a different direction. In in um, in Ezra five, um, we see this back and forth, which I think is beautiful. That we get to that we have the book of Haggai. God in His providence gave us thousands of years later the book of Haggai, so that we could see what the people were experiencing. Because we see in what is it uh, chap, uh, verse uh, two of chapter five, that the prophets of God were there supporting the people. Well, God could have not given us the book of Haggai and we would have wondered, well, what does that mean that they were there supporting? But we do have the book of Haggai. And I think it's beautiful just to be able to read back and forth. So the prophets were there supporting them, giving them truth about what God had asked them to do. And also uh, this understanding of if we do not do it, discipline will come. At least in this, this moment, it came in the form of drought. I'm sure they were thinking, what else would come if we don't obey? And I asked this question yesterday, or at least I, I, I let you all into the world of my thinking this past week where I began to think, wow, I wish I had prophets beside me, supporting me, telling me where I went wrong. Do you all ever feel like there's something lacking in our lives because we don't have prophets beside us warning us? <laughs> well, you know, we're, our time of life in this season of, of history, we have a complete written Bible here that contains mm -hmm. all this written down. They didn't have very much written down. Uh, the average person uh, would only hear the word of God or because some learned person would speak it to them. We also have the Holy Spirit indwelling us now yeah. that they did mm -hmm. not have indwelling them at that time. And so we, we have a lot of advantage there. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the the word of God and the spirit of God. And, and you said something in your sermon, you know, a man of God speaking the word of God to the people of God. That is powerful right there. Yeah. And I was thinking too also, but we read Haggai and we read uh, Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And there's this verse in Romans 15, four events that I've heard you quote before, but it's helpful for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so we read there yeah. and we learn the lessons that they do. So we're standing on the shoulders of men and women down through the centuries uh, that have showed us how to live and how right. not to live. Right. So while we don't have prophets beside us physically supporting us, right, you can't turn to Mr. Haggai. That's maybe not his last name. <laughs> Take him out to lunch. Yeah. Yeah, no. I was going to answer. Yeah, right? We don't have that, but we we have the Spirit. Um, it, it fascinates me. It blows my mind all the time when I think about the fact that Jesus came, was with his disciples, and said to his disciples that it was better that he leave mm -hmm. because the Spirit would come. Think about that. 
Jesus, the Son of God who's perfect in every way, who died to bring us redemption, forgiveness with God, says to his closest friends, it's better that I'm not with you because there's a helper that's coming. And we have that. So this idea, my idea throughout the week, the last week of like, wow, I wish we had the prophets. Like it just kicked in the teeth with this, the truth that we have the spirit yeah. that convicts us and encourages us and teaches us. And we have the word of God, like you're saying. I think there's, an, I think there's a, a desire for someone to tell us what to do. And I think that was probably something that was appealing about the prophets. Like, just tell me what to do. And I'll just do it. I almost don't, can turn off my brain and do that. But to your point, both of your points, to have God's word, to have the Holy Spirit living in us, to live on this side of the cross, and to know what Jesus has done. I even think, practically example, this guy who I stood up for lunch to be on this mm-hmm. podcast, I know this guy has the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he's forgiven me. I really do feel bad about missing our appointment and double booking. But I just think, What's a prophet going to do in this situation? A prophet (laughs) is of no help to me in missing a lunch appointment that I was supposed to go to. Jesus, though through the power of the Holy Spirit, which lives in me on this part of town at the Harmony School, and the Holy Spirit lives in this guy that showed up at my doorstep to take me out for lunch, we have the same Holy Spirit. I'm I'm hopeful and I'm even anticipating a beautiful restoration of Mm -hmm. relationship, a stronger relationship, even though I've really let this guy down. A prophet isn't going to help me there. The Holy Spirit can help me. Yeah, that's, that's good. Even that's worthy of praise. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let me uh, let me finish our, our time. We've, that's sad. We've that's sad to finish it because we could do a long one. <laughs> we could have done a long one for you all. Oh, yeah, we could have. Sorry. I think I... I've got the little, I've got the uh, the little Eric on my shoulder saying, "Finish it up, Dan. Finish it up, land the plane." Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so let me finish our time with the question we we always finish with, and that is, uh, how does this passage, in this case, I would say, how does Ezra five and also Haggai one, how do those passages grow our affections for God? How does it how does it stir in us an affection for God? I'll start. I think for me, um, that verse, what is it, verse 5, where it says that the eyes of God were on the people. I think for me, that hit me in a way that, that just shows like that God is with them. His favor is on them. And he's, he's, he's not just a, a father who disciplines when they're wrong, but he's with them to to encourage them forward in the right. He's with them and his eyes are on them. I think that's powerful for me that it's not a father who disciplines and then walks away. He's a father who disciplines, loves, wants relationships, says I'm with you and his eyes are on them. His favor is with them. How about you guys? Yeah, I'd say uh, similar, but it's also, it's in verse one, I think. Uh, and it goes to the last, the question you just asked previously the people of God, the Israelites, had prophets in Haggai and Zechariah who was over them. I think that key was over them. They had the prophets. I think over me, I have the Christian community. I have the Holy Spirit. Mm. I have Jesus. That this isn't on my own. Uh, that I don't have to figure this out on my own. It's such a great encouragement. And yeah, just to know that God is going to bring either God or the 
world, what God will allow or who will bring, depending on your theology, mm-hmm. will allow hard things, but that it's all for my discipline mm-hmm. and to make me, drive me closer to him. But I'm thankful, so thankful, I don't have to do it on my own. That's good, Josh. How about you, Richard? Yeah, you know, these. Uh, I'm impressed with God uses ordinary people to accomplish great things. He did it back then, and he is doing it today. We even have, in a sense, we have a lot more going for us because what we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the church. We're looking backwards on the cross, anticipating his return on the second time. Yeah, And good. so uh, his faithfulness back then, and just who God is, is the same today and forever. And so uh, just God is amazing. Mm. And it's interesting, he says, but the eye of their God was on the elders. I like that. The eye of their God. So God is amazing. I know some elders who need the eye of God on them. <laughs> I know of one particularly. <laughs> Are you looking let's, at me? Let's say no name. Eric. No yeah, Eric. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Ezra chapter 6 next week. So be reading ahead, uh, but don't tell anybody the end of the story. Um, be reading ahead. Thanks for listening. Love you all. Love you.